0: to awesome movie year the podcast where we look back at an awesome year for movies which is every year my name is josh bell film critic and writer and i am joined by my co-host i'm jason harris filmmaker comedian rock and roller oh yeah like guy Ritchie, rock and roller
1: like a guy who goes on the stage and they say you want some rock and roll and then uh Give them a rock and roll because I'm a rock and roller. Right. And then they're like, hey, thanks for that rock and roll, rock and roller. And then I uh, go home and put my guitar away and cry myself to sleep.
0: All right, I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> uh, so, this season of Awesome Movie Year, we've been talking about the films of 2007, and we are now at our season finale.
1: That's right. And we left it in the hands of you the millions of listeners (laughs) that we have and we're doing the audience choice episode. This one was all about the Judd Apatow comedies, Josh, because 2007 was the year that Judd Apatow really uh, changed the way comedies were made for the next decade, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I think so. He'd broken out uh, earlier with the 40-year-old virgin. Of course, had worked in TV on Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared, but this was- did it work on those two I'm, shows? They each I had mean, one season, right? I'm well, Freaks and Geeks said, had I'm, more than one. No, Freaks and Geeks only had one season. One, they as well. both had one season. I think so. That, yeah, so. I was. I was just saying that Judd Apatow had worked in television. Oh, he, Yes, he himself worked on he those labored, shows. Yes, yes, <laughs> he has, performed labor as <laughs> yes, a television. He was a a creative uh, force on those shows, as well as the Forty Year Old Virgin, which was a big success. Yeah,
1: and I love Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared. I actually in college in a uh, in a. Um, uh tv writing course like a sitcom writing course i wrote a spec script of undeclared and uh my teacher gave me like a b because she said this show's not going to be around <laughs> so your sh- your uh, your your script isn't
0: going to be relevant anymore i mean did anyone from that class use their spec script to get a job though uh,
1: i don't know i thought it was a good idea for a script and then also you know i remember one of the lessons like when she's like how do you come up with stories was steal from other shows that have already been on I think she gave the example of like when she was working on Full House, she stole something from Charles in charge. So, yeah, really she good. sounds like a great mentor. <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff. So,
0: <laughs> well, Jen Apatow did slightly better work than that. Um, but you're right that 2007 was a year when he was everywhere and just his name on something, even a movie that he didn't write or direct, was kind of this stamp of approval that people valued. So, the three Apatow related films that we put to our audience were Knocked Up, which Judd Apatow both wrote and directed, and then two films he produced, Walk Hard and Superbad, and the winner was by one vote yet again, Superbad. Yes.
1: Our audiences really like these tight votes. I think it was, you know, second place was one behind and third place was two behind. So yeah, Superbad won, and uh, I have actually watched it twice in the last few months now.
0: Wow. I have watched it once in the last few months for this podcast. Dave, did you watch it for the podcast? Producer David Rosen? Nope. No. (laughs) But Dave, Dave has watched it in the last 10 years.
2: That's pretty fair. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's something.
0: (laughs) Dave, you're the Steve Glansberg of this podcast. (laughs) So I, I was kind of... Pulling for Walk Hard a little in this, not even because I really like it, but I feel like it's the one that's been a bit forgotten. It would have been interesting to revisit, but Super Bad is a lot of fun, as we'll get to.
1: Yeah, and I, uh, I wouldn't have minded Walk Hard because that's the one I know the least. You know, I've seen it once and that was it. I was kind of hoping for Knocked Up because I feel like Super Bad has overtaken it as the one that everyone remembers. Yeah. And Knocked Up was the one that really exploded him onto the scene, you know, 40-year-old virgin, like you said, big success, but Knocked Up was the one that made Judd Apatow and Seth Rogen superstars. Yes. Um, But uh, Superbad's great. So I'm happy about
0: that. Yeah, it it is probably the one of those three that's had the longest cultural kind of life uh, afterwards, which we can talk about later. Uh, But even at the time, it was a huge hit. It made $169.9 million at the box office worldwide on a budget of only $20 million, So that's pretty good. That's good stuff. And, yes. uh, and sorry for the sophomore humor, but I'm
1: glad. I'm guessing they were glad they had the number 69 <laughs> in their, in their yes. wins.
0: Yes. So. There's a lot of mature humor in Super Bad. In Super Bad, right. And, and thus, you're, you're probably right. It's he, an appropriate amount of money for it to make. Yeah.
1: Either of those main characters, Seth or Evan, would have been very happy with the. 69 for that evening that would have been a good goal That's true.
0: not to mention 169 i don't know how that would really work (laughs) that that might be tiring yes (laughs) so yeah it made a lot of money it was a it was a big movie in pop culture uh it did well with audiences it got an a minus cinema score from the audience polling service which is good people who went to see it opening weekend really liked it uh it didn't win any uh major or was not nominated for any major awards, but it did get nominated for, among other things, three MTV movie awards.
1: Yeah, I saw that uh I did see that and uh, the the best one was that it lost best movie to
0: Transformers. I mean it's the MTV movie awards. I think
1: MTV should even be ashamed of
0: themselves for that one. So. <laughs> Maybe so uh and I was also amused because of the the strong Canadian contingent in this film. It did also win to Canadian comedy awards for best writing and for best male performance for uh, Michael Cera. And a Peabody award. Oh, did uh, it at least a the Peabody nomination. award? Oh, and wow. I think it
1: won, but it was at least nominated for best new comedy performance. Oh, that's impressive. Probably for Sarah, I think. He got yeah. a lot. He was he was hitting hard this year between this and Juno.
0: Yeah, this is our second Michael Sarah movie of our 2007 season that we're talking yeah.
1: about. Yeah, he's... Uh, he's Sarah Tinley on the
0: scene. Oh, that was that was really <laughs> rough there. Let's talk about the reviews, which were also very positive. I mean, it was a huge hit at the box office and it did very well with critics. It has an 87% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Roger Ebert said superbad is a four-letter roncha rama with a heart and an inordinate interest in other key organs. It is autobiographical, I, sus- I suspect, inspired not just by the lives of co-writers Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, who named the two leads after themselves, but possibly by millions of other teenagers. The movie is astonishingly foul-mouthed, but in a fluent, confident way, where the point isn't the dirty words, but the flow and the rhythm and the deep, sad yearning they represent. Hmm.
1: I, uh, I, Deep, sad yearning might be a bit much, but I did have this other Ebert quote that I found the movie reminded me a little of National Lampoon's Animal House, except that it's more mature, as all movies are. So,
0: yeah, that's from that same. That whole review is 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 great because Ebert also goes into some overly personal details about his own childhood experiences. Trying that,
1: to get the ladies. And
0: yeah, that's really not particularly relevant, but I thought was was entertaining. Yeah, to I
1: remember in that Ebert documentary, like he's like. I, I was kind of surprised because they talk about his time as a ladies man in Chicago, you know, as a yeah. newspaper reporter. Right. He you know? dated
0: Oprah. Well,
1: how do you do? Yeah. So, um, going back to the uh, the incredible
0: foul-mouthed language in this film. Right. How did you do you cite the statistics of how many times they say the uh, the F-word?
1: Yeah, the F word here being fuck.
0: Right. They say it 168
1: times, which is 1.6 times per minute. And 84 of those fucks are credited to
0: Jonah Hill. Yeah that That makes sense that is true yeah i think it's that's probably not quite as many i'm not sure about this but i always that's exactly half the fucks josh yeah no what i mean is uh oh so does that mean the other half come from michael Sierra or from all other characters combined? everyone else oh all right but no what i was thinking of was that i always read about and this may not be true that blink 182 the 182 in there is a reference to how many times they say fucking scarface Hmm. So that might exceed super bad. It doesn't hold the record. Yeah. Of course, so- Scarface is like three hours long though. So the per minute, it, uh, it beats it out.
1: So if we had like a Blink-182 cover band or something, we, we could
0: call it Blink-168. Wink-168 <laughs> yes. or something like that. So. We could. Manola Dargis in the New York Times said, Mr. Apatow traffics in such a cute, cuddly version of modern masculinity that it seems rude to wonder if it's honestly felt, which is what I think, Self-flattering, ditto, or cunningly opportunistic, nah. Certainly, it's testosterone-heavy, if not exactly macho. And indeed, part of what's fascinating about Mr. Apatow's ascendancy and why the comedy moment belongs to him more than it does either to the Farrelly brothers or to Ben Stiller and his mob is how he has created and come close to perfecting a masculine variation on aspirational wish-fulfillment movies like Legally Blonde. Except, Except instead of perky pretty women reaching up, 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 Mr. Apatow offers freaks and geeks aching to be worthy of those same women. She was a big fan of Apatow's kind of uh, mark on these films.
1: Yeah, I mean, what what are you expecting uh, if it's about two dudes who are like, on their last day of high school, trying to get laid. Are you expecting a lack of testosterone in this film? Or
0: Well, no, I think her point is that you come in expecting this like very macho thing. And actually, there's a lot of sensitivity behind it. Yes, fair. So, yes, you expect that, but you get more than just that. It's not like Porky's. There's no uh, there's
1: no peephole that uh, one of the dudes is sticking his dong through. Right
0: no, now. I did see a couple references to Porky's in some reviews that i looked up but almost always in the way that you're talking about as sort of like a counterpoint like this is better than that or hey, this is not what you would where's get.
1: the people with the dong in it right yeah. they're all like why now, is i don't think a- anyone
0: was complaining that this was not porky <laughs> no dong
1: in the people so. have you seen porky's of course i've seen porky's okay i never have i might have even seen porky's too do you know who is uh can you name one star of porky's porky kim <laughs> cattrall nice
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah. Was she the only well known performer in that movie?
2: That's the only one I remember. Yeah.
0: So, well, that yeah. sounds about right for an 80s sex comedy. Yeah. Like Kim Cattrall. Yeah. I'm just
2: wondering if you guys have said the word dong this many times on any other episode. Probably before.
0: not. So, but I don't know. But,
1: the, but the, in our defense, this is the first time we're referencing a movie where a guy puts his dong through a hole. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs>
0: Uh, and I did see a couple of references, at least, to Superbad. I think Seth Rogen himself might have just described it as a boner movie. So uh, it's all it all fits in. I here. don't think this is a boner movie. Did you get an erection while watching? No, I film, think Josh? I don't think that's Our what he audience means. Audience wants to know. I think he means it's a movie about guys with boners. Oh, yeah.
1: Maybe I'm taking things too literally. I, I feel like
0: you've really missed the point of a lot of what we're saying here today. That so <laughs> seems like it. Yeah. So. Let's see if you can understand Mike D'Angelo <laughs> in Las Vegas Weekly who said, while there are a few deliberately aus- outrageous set pieces, most notably Seth's mortifying bump and grind with an older woman devoid of both underwear and, shall we say, feminine protection, Superbad has a shambling, discursive sensibility that closely approximates the semi-structured world of the fumbling adolescent. And the comedy isn't cheap, even when it's crass. Director Greg Matola and his actors dawdle early on, establishing each character's unique, ultra-specific temperament so that the big laughs are predicated on our expectation or understanding of how manic Seth or bemused Evan would respond to a given wacky situation. Even McLovin, whose adenoidal chutzpah flirts with nerd cliche, ultimately comes across as a genuine, if sorry, kid rather than a hasty composite. Yeah,
1: I don't think McLovin was sorry at all in this. He he did quite well for himself in the. Uh,
0: no, I the y- yeah. I mean, I think he's he's pitiable at first. I guess not really. I I felt McLovin was very
1: confident in who he was the whole time through.
0: Well, I, I mean, that's the point. I think is that at first his confidence seems very misplaced, and then you know it turns out that he actually can get McLovin, it done. Yes, yeah. which is a name that's still used throughout pop culture today. I'd that say. it is that McLovin, and like I feel like was Napoleon Dynamite this year, or maybe a little earlier. I feel I I always connect McLovin with like vote for Pedro in these like ubiquitous pop culture things that would be on a t-shirt i think at Hot it topic. was
1: 2004 napoleon oh, okay. Dave, if you want to look it up but uh you know it's funny because as a comedian like there have definitely been times where i've done crowd work you know and like i'd call out a guy i'd call him McLovin, always gets a laugh and yeah. then i remember you know like uh there was a guy who uh looked like jonah hill back when jonah hill looked
2: like, like jonah this. hill yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not like
1: you know not like uh super fit Jonah Hill like now and yeah. I always used to, I'd always just call him super bad and that would always get a laugh and
0: yeah so you owe a lot to this movie I
1: owe so much to this film Josh it's uh it's really been the bastion of
0: my
2: career yeah
0: that's good it was generous of them to give that to you
2: and you were right it was 2004
0: yeah thanks super bad mm-hmm. but people were still wearing vote for Pedro shirts in 2007 yeah I think and now you could wear them almost ironically right almost yeah. I don't know if we're quite. Uh, at that distance yet. But you could wear a McLovin shirt, maybe. Yeah. You could. I would. All right. Maybe. Yeah. Any other uh, statistics about swear words?
1: I have a quote that I wanted to run by you that uh, maybe a little, maybe a, a little uh, overhyped, I'd say. Okay. Sean Burns of Philadelphia Weekly 2007, the year Judd Apatow
0: and Seth Rogen saved movie comedy. Yeah. Yeah. A little overblown. A little overblown, I'd say. But. I can see how people in 2007 would see it that way because they were so dominant and they definitely offered something like, like uh, Manola Dargis is talking about in her review. If you are seeing Will Ferrell and Ben Stiller and the Farrelly brothers and that kind of stuff, and that's not your thing, then maybe they offered a bit of an alternative. And from a personal
1: experience, you know, uh, 2008, 2009, was my first script that kind of made the rounds in Hollywood. And then 2012, 2013 was kind of when I had one hot minute there, you know, and boy was that minute short. Yeah. <laughs> um, but both times it was always, it was so funny because no matter what we wrote, it was like, can you make it more like Judd Apatow? You know, which yeah. is like, no, because that's what Judd Apatow does, right? Sure. I get it. What you're saying is, you, you know, all these broad heightened comedies, and then apatow comes in with very grounded like, "Hey, um we have to name this baby. Let's write a whole movie about that, right? yeah, which is an idea my writing partner, my old writing partner and I have never cracked, you know yeah. so but they're very simple, simple uh situations, and in this uh, in Superbad, they get escalated, but it all starts from this simple thing of we have to get beer for the party, right, right. So, um so yeah, I get that uh so I guess that's what you're saying, but um you know, what's not good is the imitators of a lot of these Judd Apatow movies.
0: That's true. And we can talk about that later. But um, I think your point is absolutely true, is that these movies are so much more grounded. And I think these movies also, Apatow's films that he works on, or at least the best of them, they care more about the emotions of the characters. Like, this movie has plenty of ridiculous stuff in it, but it's also about the relationship between these two friends. And that's what the movie really Is built on.
1: Yeah, I agree with you and it shines through. But I also think we're not giving enough credit to Greg Matola, who I like very much.
0: Well, let's talk about all of those aspects when we come back in a moment and give our general thoughts on Superbad.
2: Today's episode is sponsored by the Golden Tiki. Recently named one of the top tiki bars in the United States by the Food Network, and also one of the top 10 best nightlife destinations in Las Vegas by USA Today. They've got great rum, mixed drinks, and of course the Dole Whip. They've got theme nights, DJs, all kinds of fun stuff, including Alan Bud's Oasis, who are two robotic parrots that put on a great show every hour on the hour. So next time you're in Las Vegas, make sure to check out the Golden Tiki on Spring Mountain.
0: Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year in the season finale of our season on the films of 2007. And we're talking about our audience choice, which is Superbad, directed, as Jason just was pointing out, by Greg Matola, who I know you're a big fan of. I'm a big fan
1: of Greg Mottola uh, ever since The Day Trippers, uh, which I love and highly recommend that movie. And I know a lot of, like, independent filmmakers are big fans of it, including Ed Burns. we like very much on this show so well
0: i feel like it's been a number of episodes since we brought up ed burns and i'm glad that we got him back in the mix
1: yeah so i mean but the day trippers is just a very uh it fits this kind of grounded idea of like hey this family has to go into a city just and they're like spying on this husband to see you know if he's having an affair or not it's really funny really well written and then adventureland who doesn't like
0: adventureland do you yeah. know anyone who doesn't like Adventureland? Nope. I'm sure there are some. I like Adventureland. I remember watching the day trippers and being kind of underwhelmed. Yeah. Possibly because uh both you and another friend of mine had uh told me how great it was, and yeah. I was anticipating and I just thought it was okay. And I was very welmed. I was whelmed. Yeah,
1: you uh, you enjoyed it quite a bit. I just watched it again last year, maybe, and yeah. I and it was great again. Ah, so all right. Um but yeah I, I mean and the only one I didn't see was like keeping up with the Joneses of his yeah that's not not not, not so good, not so
0: good. Yeah. yeah
1: um but he's good and then this was probably the height of his,
0: his Yeah turn. this movie I mean it's hard like he does a perfectly good job with this movie I'm not sure like in terms of listing who gets the most credit for it if I'd put him at the top there in terms of who makes this movie work I kind of wonder if you took this script and these actors and you could have had, a, had any number of people directed and it would have turned out yeah, just as well.
1: But, yeah, but he does uh well look, he's done he did undeclared and he did arrested development, you know, as a director. And he's proven to be very adept at comedy. And I think when you get to act three and like the big McLovin um uh po- police scenes where they're uh where they're just like setting the car on fire and stuff like that. I feel like he does shine in the way he did those and it, almost like a link letter type uh, situation there.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I would go that far, but I think he he executes it well. And and probably having worked in TV, he has experience with just kind of taking the writing and putting it on screen. And I think it translates. It translates well. Yes, I'll agree. He did take the writing. And put Well, it what screen. I'm saying without without adding so much of his own stamp to it. Right. Well, I mean, you know,
1: there's so much improvisation in this right. in this film, as is a stamp of many Apatow movies. That right? is true. Sometimes to their detriment. But not right. not really in this case. I don't, I don't think, think so. I think this was one of the uh the best ones, as when uh Seth and Evan look at the uh, McLovin fake ID for the first time. And uh, Jonah Hill says, you look like a future pedophile. Yes. <laughs> that was a uh, that was an improvised.
0: Yeah, there, there's a lot of funny improvisation in this movie. And uh, so to go back, of course, we have Jonah Hill as Seth, Michael Sarah as Evan. their best friends who are about to graduate from high school and they want to get laid. They get invited to a party. By popular girl Jules, played by Emma Stone in her, I think her first ever role or her first uh, film role, at least. Uh, This was her first film role, as far as I know. And I gotta say, that
1: was one award that did surprise me. That at the Young Hollywood Awards in two thousand eight, very prestigious award show, by the way. Absolutely, she, Emma Stone, was the exciting new face. She was nominated for that, and I, I don't think, like, she's great in everything. We love. Did you think her face was not exciting? I'm still excited by her face in a uh a very uh, proper manner so yeah but uh you know what i'm saying is like her part they get they gave her that exciting new face nomination right. her part was uh let's say she made more of it than what was on the page yeah, yeah yeah so i was surprised that she got a nomination at such a high high powerful award show like the young hollywood awards yeah exactly yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I think you're right, whether the integrity of the Young Hollywood Awards aside. <laughs> um, her part isn't huge. And I mean, both of the the, the girls that they're chasing after, uh, both her character and uh, Becca, played by Martha McIsaac, who is the one that uh, Evan has a crush on, they're not super substantial characters. And that's one possible shortcoming of this movie. But I do think both of them make the most of that small part. 100% agree.
1: Yeah. Yes. So and uh, like you're saying, it's Seth and Evan, as we mentioned, Seth, Rogan, Evan Goldberg, uh, writing partners who started writing this in high school. Pretty amazing when they were
0: younger than the characters are in this film.
1: Yeah. And it took seven years to really finish the script. And they they did it, man. Who? I mean, Josh, you know, Dave, here's a here's a hot tidbit for you, a piece of personal history. Josh and I wrote a screenplay together in high
0: school. Did you know that? I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast as well. Maybe just uh, amongst ourselves. Did we mention
2: this ever to you, Dave? Um, I'm almost certain that you have before, but I can't quite remember the details of the story.
1: I have a friend who's a big time producer now. And back then he was uh, making soft core, maybe Skinamax movies. Mm -hmm. And there was a movie with Dean Cameron called Miracle Beach. Where he uh, gets a genie and maybe makes some sexy wishes with the genie or something, <laughs> and they were looking for
0: a sequel, and that's the first script Josh and I ever wrote. Wait, to I thought our script was about the genie, and the original was about something else. Maybe Miracle Beach Two was ours. The lucky The lucky wish, wish yeah, Right. yeah, that's right. I think we might have come up with the genie. We might have. I don't remember in our happened, brilliance,
1: but in the original <laughs> Miracle Beach. But uh, two funny things about this: uh, one. We did have two Russian characters. This was in the mid-90s, Vladimir and Pavel, who before it became trendy, like if you would say, hey, you look stupid, they would say, if by stupid, you mean smart, right? Like (laughs) You're giving it all away here. Well, it's never going anywhere. And also, you're wondering if we sold it? No. My producer friend optioned his own version of
2: the movie.
0: (laughs) Although, to be fair, it was not ever made. No. And
1: uh, the fans of Miracle Beach are waiting for that sequel, Joe. They sure are. I'm but just
2: glad to know that we can still make it one of these. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's still hope. We can fan
0: fiction a Miracle Beach sequel or what. Yeah. I hope we could. Uh, but Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg were more successful than we were. Well, and they started, maybe we should have started when we were
1: 13. We were like 16 when we wrote Yeah, that, we so were already past our prime. We,
0: we were behind, you know,
1: three years. They had a three-year head
0: start on us, They man. did. But I think this is this speaks to something that I can't remember which review, but another review that I had uh, read somewhere talks about how so many teen movies you can tell this was written by an adult based on kind of fuzzy memories of teenage experience. And the authenticity in this movie comes from the fact, at least partially, that these writers worked on it starting when they were teenagers.
1: Right. And uh, I just listened to uh, Seth Rogen on a podcast and he was saying a lot of the stuff from the original draft did make it into the, the movie. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and it, a lot of it came from their lives. I mean, not only the names of the characters, but I think I saw something else about him saying that the, the sort of story that Evan recounts to Becca about the night that he and Seth and Fogle, aka McLovin, had where they basically uh, sit in the basement and, and get drunk and then try to go to a nightclub and get kicked out and then puke on each other was in fact exactly what seth and evan and their friend who was also named fogel did when they were in high school well, there you go so uh, josh you were not a big partier in high school i was not a big partier in high school um yeah we forgot to to talk about this earlier but did you did you see this movie when it came out yeah I mean, we, was, oh, we yeah. were not in high school when this
1: movie came no out. no um yeah I must, uh, of course i saw this when it came out like I was so excited for it and uh it's it was great. I loved I loved Superbad back then
0: and you still love it.
1: I think it's really great still, yeah.
0: Yeah. What uh what's the best thing about like what do you think works the best about this movie? You know,
1: and we keep talking about them trying to get laid and blah blah blah, but the relationship between the two of them and the idea that they are going to be separating at the end of the summer and uh haven't had that discussion, like I think that relationship is what why people are like, oh, man, this is why this is so good. Sure, we all tried to get laid in high school, but really it was we all had those situations where we were going to be leaving our friends and had to face that. And I think um, that worked really well. And of course, it made me laugh throughout. So those were yeah. the things I really liked about
0: it. Uh, yeah, I think so, too. I think that relationship is, is really important. And especially because, as we were saying, the female characters are not that well developed, that there's not as much of an investment in like are they going to get together with these girls that we don't really know that much about? It's really about, yeah, their friendship and whether they'll stay friends and if they can admit to each other as they do in that great scene towards the end about how much they care about each other. Um, And that, that really works well. I think that goes back to also what we were saying about Judd Apatow is that he gives us that in the movies that he works on that, that isn't, this isn't just about the crazy, funny things that we see but we care about these characters, their development and their relationship. And we want to see them have a positive relationship with each other. And uh, I think that that works really well. And Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah do really good jobs of giving you that in their performances. And you feel like these are genuine guys who care about each other. And you can see the rapport that they've had for years and years and years as as they've grown up together.
1: I agree with you. I think, um, you know, Seth, at some point, you're like, man, Seth's not being a dick. But then he has that redeeming moment where he, you know, literally, like, it's almost like the bodyguard where Kevin Costner has to carry Whitney Houston in yeah. safety. <laughs> he does that for Evan. So everything is kind of redeemed. You know, you get it right away where they're on the phone and they're talking on the phone and then, uh, and uh like, then they, uh you see uh, Seth, who's in the car, pull up to a house and Michael, Sarah, Evan comes out of the house and they kind of like, okay, cool, great. Right. Get off the phone. Yes. We're now we see each other in person, which I've actually, uh, we've done that. Before. Yeah. I think so we have, yeah,
0: uh, so. before as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think what you were saying too about Seth, the character being a dick, honestly, when I sat down to watch this again, and I hadn't seen it since 2007, when I sat down to watch this again this week in the first half hour, I was thinking, man, do I not really like this movie as much as I remember liking it? Because I thought that Seth character was just really unlikable. Yeah. And I think it, the movie and the character kind of redeem themselves as it goes on. And as you get more into him as a character and you see how much of this kind of dickish behavior is a front because he doesn't want to confront emotions that he has, whether about missing his friend or about wanting to have a girlfriend or whatever. He just puts up what he thinks is like the right thing to do as like a cool dude, even though he's got all these emotions under that.
1: Yeah. And you saw this in the theater as well. Yes, I did. Yeah. And you liked it back then, you know, so. uh Right.
0: Right. And that was what I thought, because going into this, I thought, oh, this is a movie that I like. I'll enjoy seeing it again. I mean, all of these Apatow movies, I think I would have been eager to watch again. And so Watching that. And and also because before I watched it this most recent time, I think you and I had talked and you had said how you just watched it a few months ago and how great it was. And so I was thinking like, yeah, this is a great movie. And it took me a little while to get back into it.
1: Yeah, I watched um, a lot of these teen comedies again, because I'm working on an idea that kind of plays off of it, you know. So I watched this. I watched Can't Hardly Wait. I watched American Pie. I watched American Graffiti. I watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I think this and Ferris Bueller's Day Off are the ones that hold up the best out of the entire list, more so than American Pie does, you know?
0: Yeah, I think this does hold up pretty well. And I was impressed with, not only is it is it still funny, I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff. We haven't even talked about Seth Rogen and Bill Hader as the uh, very irresponsible police officers. <laughs> um, but beyond that, that it was funny, Um, I thought it's kind of attitude towards relationships and towards the sort of gender dynamics was was pretty progressive. And the fact that it presents Evan as this guy who he's he's genuinely concerned about respecting women and not, again, in a way of just like this is how he thinks he's going to look good. But that's just how he wants to be. And he's eager to shoot down any of Seth's kind of semi-misogynistic or sexist comments that come up. And I thought the movie did a really good job of showing that as a natural facet of the character without trying to lecture you about anything.
1: I thought so too. And it it just kind of shows where we are, how politically correct we've moved because some of Seth's stuff. And I think even Seth was, you know, for a high school kid, he's pretty progressive too, you know? So- but, you know, he's also a, a red-blooded American male who's trying to get laid, right? You know, and it's like, some of that does not, uh, uh, I'm not going to say it doesn't age well, but it doesn't hold up in today's uh, political correct environment, politically correct environment.
0: I mean, maybe not, but at the same time, again, I think it shows the journey of that character that he expresses some of those kinds of sentiments at first, and he has to realize as the movie goes on That's that's not he doesn't need to have that attitude in order to be happy or to get what he wants to have relationships with the people that he wants, whether that's his friend or a girl that he likes. So, yeah, I think it kind of comes around. And again, without lecturing, you shows that this maturity that he he comes to is important. It's
1: it's good that they let these characters grow and even learn from the mistakes they're making during that day. Yes. Yeah, there's real character growth in this movie. Again, it's not just about being funny. So do you want to talk about the McLovin uh, stuff with uh, with Rogan and uh, and Bill Hader?
0: Yeah, because that stuff is funny, but that was probably the stuff where somewhere around the middle of this movie, I thought, okay, this is getting a little, it drags a bit. It's a long movie for this kind of movie.
1: Yeah, I can see that. It's an hour and 53 minutes and everything. But. Um, uh that's that you know they basically take him on an into the night wild ride type thing and uh, i i do agree that it drags up points but i thought like i said the crescendo where they're gonna burn the car and van halen's playing in the background not van hagar josh because i like david lee roth who's your guy Roth or Hagar? Of
2: course, David Lee Roth. Yeah,
1: man, suck it, Josh. He's <laughs> I a didn't, H- I didn't
0: realize this was gonna go off in this direction. <laughs> He's a Hagar guy. <laughs> I I I like them both. I've seen them both in concert. I do prefer the the Hagar version. I will say that I have a a, a Facebook friend who recently proudly posted a photo of himself wearing a Van Halen with Gary Sharone t-shirt <laughs> and go. was pronouncing proclaiming his boldness in doing that versus the other versions. On,
1: on my uh on my TV show that we're doing every week, your fantasy fire drill, there's a situation in uh San Diego or Los Angeles where one of the running backs was the star running back and he decided not to come back. So his backup was starting, his backup became a star and we we did the whole Van Halen, Van Hagar situation combination so um that's important stuff very relatable (laughs) all the van halen stuff here (laughs) anyway Uh, I, i like that stuff where you know uh you know they're doing crazy loops in the car and you know they light it on fire and it's a big party and uh you know something McLovin can tell the grandkids about that's true yeah it's
0: it's all fun it just felt like the longer that it went on the further it got away from what the story was about And I think also because a lot of the emotional core of it is not just about those two friends, but it does involve Fogle McLovin and his sort of outsider status where he really they treat him that way. But really, he's a good friend to them, too. And Evan is going to go room with him in college and, and they have a solid relationship, too. And I felt like it kept him away from the other two of them maybe a little longer than was necessary but yeah i mean you could watch seth rogan and bill hader just riff on dumb cop stuff for two hours and that would be fun they were really funny yeah and uh you know um did
1: you know that originally the uh the seth rogan character is at uh michaels officer michaels uh, yeah
0: that? i don't remember um
1: kyle gas supposed to be kyle gas
0: from uh tenacious d who yeah.
1: dave, dave loves oh yeah
0: that could have been funny yeah, yeah i mean if they had made this movie earlier of course seth rogan would have played seth but he yeah. got too old for it yeah yeah because that's what happens in life you get older yeah that's that's so true so uh but <laughs> judd uh, apatow knows that very well he made I think, some movies about it
1: yeah so you know uh did you know this is eminem's favorite movie
0: I read that somewhere. He's got references to it in some songs of his. Yeah. I'm not an Eminem fan, so I've missed that, but I could see him being into it.
1: I think this is just a very funny movie and um, there's a lot of... Like I when I called Dave Steven Klansberg, you know, like... <laughs> that's a reference to the film where Seth, where evan's like i gotta go and he's like what so i'm supposed to eat lunch (laughs) lunch alone or dessert alone like steven glansberg yeah they just cut to a cutaway shot of a dude eating alone like yeah that's that's hilarious to me
0: there was good detail or or dave franco's character who has the one line and they say like it's just soccer greg like and and just in that moment you can both of those you Mm. can just imagine that whole character like dude who cares too much about soccer dude who eats dessert alone you can get something out well, of that
1: well because well, that in that moment seth says to him greg why don't you go piss in your pants again and he's like that was eight years ago and he's
2: still referencing that right right i haven't seen it in so long but i i remember joe latruglio being one of the funniest yes
1: players. he's yes. hilarious and uh they do a great reference there it's so so tiny where uh you know latruglio is the guy who backs the car into Seth and now yeah. has to get them beer and that I think was one of the other great things about it is everything elevated in a very natural way like you didn't feel like anything was out of place the way they got to the shop the way that Latrulio backed into them that led him to this weird party with Kevin Corrigan and uh, uh, Latrulio. where they're when uh, when their first meeting he looks at uh Michael Sarah and he goes, Are you Jimmy's brother? You you know Jimmy, right? And then yeah. they bring that back in, yeah. in the party where there's like, that's Jimmy's brother, the singer. And that's how we get to the great scene where uh where Michael Sarah has to sing these eyes for a bunch of stoned and drunk dudes. And uh that's a great scene. Yeah, there's
0: a lot of fun. And I think that whole detour, like at that point, you have these sort of two detours. You've got McLovin goes off with the cops and Seth and Evan go off with Jolo Trulio. And that detour of theirs where they go to the crazy, weird party and they have to steal the booze lasts just as long as it should. And then McLovin is still out with the cops.
1: Right. And that, uh, well, I mean, and, you know, they come together. They do,
0: but it takes a little while. But
1: uh, that's the party that I don't remember. But one of the it was probably Mike uh, D'Angelo's review that you referenced where they talk about the. The woman who has, as uh, as Seth said, (laughs) perioded on him. Right.
0: And that's another I feel (laughs) really funny. Kind of also iconic. Like I was remembering, you know, not having seen this movie in 12 years, I was anticipating that. Like, when does that happen? And who does it? And how does it come about? And then there it was. Yeah. He yells, Someone perioded on my fucking leg. Yes. (laughs) That's just
1: funny, (laughs) funny sentence construction. So
0: yeah that is good and Carla Gallo who is uh where has worked with Judd Apatow on a bunch of things very yeah. funny in that little part she she always maximizes her screen time she did
1: uh with uh I always think of uh forgetting Sarah Marshall where you know she's got the one sex scene with uh in the montage of sex scenes with uh Jason Segel and you know she's like do you want to just feel good baby baby you not know, she keeps saying that and then in the end she wants like some very uh, rough, aggressive sex. She's, she maximizes her screen time.
0: Yeah, time. she's funny. I don't remember that bit from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, but she definitely was memorable here in this movie. Uh, should we also talk about Christopher mintz plus as McLovin? Yeah. Who now is McLovin for the rest of his life, but
1: <laughs> did I, a really good job. He's great in it and uh, screen debut. He was 17 at the time. So uh, when he had a sex scene as his- Mommy had to be on set. Yeah,
0: I did read that as um, well.
1: But yeah, he's I- iconic as McLovin. And um, yeah, I mean, I, love, I thought he was really good in role models after this too.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's done other stuff, but I feel like everything that he does is either like a, re, kind of a rehash of McLovin or plays off the idea that it's different from McLovin. Like it's still always in people's minds when they see him on screen. And and he's, he's made the most of it. He's had a career uh, as opposed to I was just looking at some of the random cast members and uh, Hiroki, the uh, Asian student that uh, Evan works with in home ec class, and they have the kind of fun little yeah, playful tiramisu, relationship. Yeah. That guy was never in another movie. No. This is the only movie he was ever in. You know, for the most part I like it all
1: works. I think there's some clumsy dialogue in act 1 where like uh are like uh Evan is explaining to someone, well what about blah 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 he dated blah 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 for 2 years. Like they both go to the same high school, they would know that stuff. Yeah, you
0: know? yeah, I mean I can forgive that. It didn't feel too awkward to me. I mean to me the the biggest weakness of this movie is the pacing in the middle.
1: Did it bother you that the opening scene uh, Seth says he's he's gonna subscribe to the Vagtastic Voyage, and Evans like, "What's what's that?" And he explains to him what it is as a porn site. But when they do that flashback to the party that the three of them had, they're watching the Vagtastic well, I mean, Voyage.
0: They were drunk. Maybe he didn't remember. Yeah, I think you'd
1: remember the Vagtastic Voyage. I mean, Josh. there's a lot of porn out there, as they established. But not movie. all of them are voyages that are Vagtastic. You just wanted to say that word a bunch of times. <laughs> I really did to <laughs> make up for like having Mark said Pound. dong
0: so many times earlier. Well, dongs and dongs
1: can have fantastic voyages and other types of voyages as well, depending on what your what's your
0: bag, baby. So so true. <laughs> uh, and I mean, speaking of dongs, should we we could give a shout out to all of the very creative drawings of penises in this movie? Yeah,
1: made by uh, Goldberg's brother. Yes. David Goldberg.
0: And uh, I think they, what he made? Like a thousand of these drawings or something like that. Yeah. And they use a small portion of them um, to illustrate Seth's weird compulsion to draw penises everywhere when he was a child. Yeah.
1: Did you know anyone who did that? I,
0: is that a real thing? I,
1: I don't mean, know. I didn't do it, but I feel like that could have been a real thing really easily. So.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, they make it sound like it is in the, in the movie, but I don't know. Dave, what's the weirdest habit you had as a kid or now?
2: Uh, the weirdest habit I had as a kid.
1: Like, disgust us. Tell us something we're like. Why oh, why, why, are we here. bringing this up? Because this is important, <laughs> Josh. To,
2: um, the audience
1: I, wants to know. They don't.
2: I, I Yeah, I don't think they do. But uh, while we're at it, I had a wall of garbage pail kids and I would hide boogers behind
0: it. Oh, that oh, is no, gross. No, we didn't that need to gross. know that. We didn't want to know That's that. That's horrible. Edit that out later, it? Dave, when you yeah, work I probably, on
1: this. I probably please, please, don't, please <laughs> remove that. Don't, Josh, learning about us
0: i'm sure you have some filthy habits yourself i don't want to talk about they this. learn
2: that josh likes van hagar yeah, yeah there you go come on what's shameful what's yeah
0: what's i kind of even there's a couple songs on that gary Sharon album that aren't bad either honestly yeah nobody likes that josh yeah. so. uh but those drawings are great and i believe there's a book of them too there that are you can get. 82 books uh, yes. 82
1: drawings holographic.
0: yes oh that's low. that's the proper technical yeah. term for them um, but very, very amusing. And then we see it during the credits, they show some more of them. And, uh, you know, you or just when you think they can't think of a new way to draw it,
1: they do. There's always another way to draw a dong, baby. There so is that's, that's my motto in life. All right. But uh, no, in the end, I just want to say the end, everyone um, learns something. They, they treat the women well. Yeah. They learn that that's important. And, uh, the next day they go on nice, uh, dates and, uh, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I did too. And again, I feel like it's not trying to teach you a lesson in a clumsy, heavy handed way, but you understand how they've, they've learned something and they've, they're going to have better relationships with those women that they really want to have relationships with because of the way that they treat them now. Two little
1: fun things that uh, the math teacher in Freaks and Geeks played the math teacher in this. And also uh, the shirt that Michael Cera wears,
2: he also wears in an episode of Arrested Development at one point in time. So,
0: Are those fun, really?
1: Dave, did you have fun with those facts?
2: I mean, I feel pretty much the same as I did before you started.
1: I
0: think those are more neutral facts.
1: All right. Well, they're, they're, if these are facts, they'd be Switzerland. Yes. <laughs>
0: So, should we give this movie a rating out of five penis drawings?
1: Yeah, five penis drawings. It's, 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 man, this is, I'm giving it a lot of penises. <laughs> so, I, I really like this movie, man. Four, four, four dongs for me. Four dongs? Yeah. yeah. I would give o- it almost four and a half. Oh, almost wow. one severed dong in there.
0: Yeah. But I'm going to go four full dongs. All right. I'm going to yeah. give it three and a half dongs because, like I said, I think it, it, it was a bit. It was a bit of a grower, not a shower, uh, for me at first watching it this time. That's but, awesome.
1: That, that was a great. Uh,
0: that's why you're a film. Oh, critic, man. thank you. Yeah, so, I should have written that at the yeah. time. Um, but I do like it, and I think my initial reservation, wondering would I actually like it this time, uh, yeah, I turned out to be wrong about that. I did I, like
1: it, and I thought it was funny just right away, right from the beginning. I was,
0: I was in it to win it, baby. All right. Well, we'll come back and talk a little more about the legacy of Superbad. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year and our 2007 season finale, talking about the audience choice winner, Superbad. Superbad. Yeah. Yeah. It is a great song. I think that was one thing we did that we didn't mention, the, the closing credits song. Bootsy Collins. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The well the whole the whole idea of those
0: kind of 70s funk that was throughout the film uh played really well. Yes, it did. And as far as the legacy goes, I mean we've we've talked about some of these things, but virtually everyone who worked on this movie went on to do great things. And every teenage
1: movie since that has (laughs) basically been a knockoff of this one yeah
0: and some some good some not as good
1: yeah um well yeah well look jonah hill superstar michael Sarah can still work and do whatever he wants you know mince plas working uh um you know becca who i thought was very good uh, yeah
0: martha mcisaac she's had kind of a low-key career she works a lot though yeah but not in anything really well known and emma stone man she's she's the best she is great. And Best I mean in the world. Both both her and Jonah Hill have gone on not only to be successful, but to be these serious award nominees. I mean, Jonah Hill has been nominated for two Oscars. What Moneyball and Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. And Emma Stone won one. And she's yeah. been
1: nominated for three. Maybe, Maybe yeah.
0: I mean, she's yeah. she's done really, really well. They they reteamed in Maniac. I haven't seen Maniac, have you? Yeah, it's not really worth it. All right. I mean, they're they're both decent in it. It's it's a it's a lot of Style over substance. It doesn't need 10 episodes. Carrie Joe Fukunaga. Yeah, Carrie Fukunaga. Um, But certainly put those two in a movie or a show and you expect it to be something award-winning. Yes, I Um, would agree. And what struck me kind of too watching this movie is that uh, Jonah Hill looks, as we kind of referenced earlier, looks so different now. Yeah. Michael Cera looks exactly the same. He does look exactly (laughs) the same right now. Um I thought it was
1: interesting that this was the um biggest uh, high school movie to ever open highest grossing high school movie to ever open in one week and then it was beaten by 21 Jump Street with Jonah Hill.
0: Yeah. Uh which I guess that's a high school. It movie. is a high school. Yeah, movie. yeah. Yeah, I suppose so.
1: Yeah.
0: Um yeah, I kind of go back and forth on whether I like Jonah Hill or not. I like him in this movie. I'm not sure that I've bought into his transformation into like a big deal actor.
1: I like, I love him in Wolf of Wall Street. I thought he's good in Moneyball, but yeah, like he's not appointment, you know, for me.
0: Yeah, I think he's good. He's good in Moneyball because it's the right part for him. I'm not sure that Jonah Hill is the kind of guy that I think, oh, well, if you cast him in something, he's going to be good. He is limited kind of in his abilities, I think.
1: What are the movies uh, that... You know, like the most recent one, everyone book smart. Book this is the female super bad, which I think hampered it.
0: Yeah, I think it might have hampered it a little in terms of reaching an audience. And I know you hate it, but it's not I, as good as super bad, I'll tell you that much. I disagree with you. I mean it owes a lot to super bad, certainly, but I probably enjoyed it more. Um Ugh, such a Van Hagar thing to say. <laughs> I, I yeah, but um but I do agree that 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 kind of reductive comparison might it might have made people dismiss it. The other most recent one I think that's gotten a lot of those comparisons is Good Boys, which did very well, perhaps via those comparisons. And that's one where also got really good reviews. And I thought it was terrible. Dave liked it.
2: Yeah, I actually did like Good Boys more. And I know that that's not the thing to say, but like, because it seems like everybody really wanted Book Smart to succeed. But I just I think right from the beginning with the trailers and everything, not that this episode is about those movies or anything. I don't want to go too far into it, but it's not piecing it together. Right from the beginning, those trailers, I think people reacted really, really well to good boys and not so much to book smart.
1: The thing with Booksmart compared to this is like I said, everything worked so naturally for this one. And this me, every, everything felt like, Oh, well, yes, that is the logical next step. Whereas book smart, it was like, let's, a cool scene in here that doesn't really uh, fit as the next piece. So,
0: yeah, you know, I didn't feel that Booksmart did that any more so than, than Super Bad did. Yeah, and, well, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but certainly we can agree that both of those movies heavily influenced by Super Bad. Super Bad, man, 2007,
1: as, yes. as we know. Dave, do you know the year this came out? <laughs> you like to ask? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But uh, I
0: still feel like it feels fresh. And if it was out today, it would be a fresh movie other, yeah. than, other
1: than the flip phones.
0: Right, that's true. Yeah, and yeah, like I was saying, I think the sensibility of it was surprisingly still, still just as modern. Um, so also, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg continue to be very successful behind the scenes. I mean, of course, Seth Rogen as an actor is is very popular, but they've written and directed films. They hadn't directed yet at this point, but they ended up uh, working on a couple features as directors. This is the end. And the interview and they've also worked in TV with stuff that they co-created, directing Preacher and Future Man. I'm kind of up and down on them as like filmmakers and writers. They're doing great though. Oh well, they're very successful. Yeah. But the boys, that's the last thing that didn't yeah, they produce the boys. They produced that. I don't know how involved they are like directly in it. And I haven't I haven't seen that. But they definitely are comic book nerds and they have used their success to put stuff on, like the boys and preacher, which is not the kind of comedy that you would immediately yeah. expect from But that.
1: I think, you know, they probably learned a lot from Judd Apatow as far as like, hey, you know, let's get involved and um, heighten and enhance a vision, but let the showrunner or filmmaker really run with it and just support that, you know, kind of vision.
0: Right. Yeah. I think they have done that to to, to certain degrees, depending on the project. But in terms of the projects where they're more directly involved i don't know were you a fan of this is the end or the interview uh
1: they're they're both fun but both forgettable this is the end is better than that than the interview but they're both kind of forgettable
0: yeah i agree i think they're both these like super super high concepts that like i think it's actually the opposite of what we were just saying that apatow does really well is something grounded that's about relationships both of those movies are about crazy big ideas and action set pieces and stuff, and they lose sight of relationships.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, we obviously talked about Edgar Wright before, and This Is the End and The
0: World's End came out about the same time, and uh, both of them didn't love. But I think Edgar Wright is much better at doing that sort of thing than Rogan and Goldberg. Yes. Yes, yes. And what about your guy Greg Matola? His career, eh. hey, dude, I'm so
1: excited for
0: what he's got coming
1: up. What next. does he have next? He's doing the Little Dicky TV show. Uh, what rapper Little Dicky? You know, oh. Who,
0: uh, oh that guy, suburban
1: white guy Ugh. who feels like he's gonna, he's he's bound to be one of the greatest rappers of all time, and now he just has to prove it. I feel like it's going to be really funny.
0: White guy comedy rap. No.
1: No one wants to see <laughs> that. I never heard of that. Yeah. Definitely What not. an inside joke. Yes. <laughs> Cuz our producer aka Jewish Dave mm. used to be a white guy comedy rapper
0: and is still a white guy. And yes. <laughs> but I will say Lil Dicky not funny at all. No, but who knows
1: maybe Greg Matola will get that uh funniness out of him. I mean I don't know. I've never
0: seen anything with Lil Dicky, where I can judge that one way or the yeah, other. I mean, I've seen, like, music videos and stuff, and just, I, I don't know. I think the thing about Greg Montola though, is what, like, what I was saying before, that he's good at bringing something to life, like he does here with Rogan and Goldberg's vision, but I don't know if the starting point is Lil Dicky, how much he's going to bring to it. Right,
1: him. yeah, I want to see him do more movies. I do like Greg Montola. and I was also thinking, like, 2007, so... You know what, I'd love to see uh, a 20-year, like this movie, 20 years later. Yeah. What are these guys doing, you know, when it's right. their 20-year reunion and everything like yeah, that? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That, that could be a fun thing. That would be really cool. Yeah. Know? So, uh, Yeah, I agree. And uh, speaking of, we just were mentioning we, our last episode on Hot Fuzz, Greg Matola, of course, also directed Paul, starring Simon Pegg. And Nick Frost and Seth Rogen. I never saw Paul.
1: I never, oh it was well, very
0: you're good. you're clearly not a big Greg Matola fan. Yeah, I'm not. Paul is all right. It's better than Keeping Up with the Joneses that you mentioned before, which is just absolutely terrible. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm not going to see
0: that. And that's either. the last feature that he made. But uh, but I I do love Adventureland, and I think Adventureland and Super Bad and the Day Trippers probably represent the best kind of thing that he can do, which is that more grounded, everyday kind of comedy.
1: Yeah. Those are the three to see from Matola. Yes. If you're I, like, hey, I want to watch three Greg Matola movies. <laughs> which one should I watch?
0: After listening to this podcast.
1: Yeah, I would say start with the day trippers. Yeah. Then you go right into Adventureland. Uh-huh. And then you finish strong with Super Right. You know who might enjoy that marathon? Greg Matola. <laughs> Ed Burns. Ed Burns. <laughs> yeah, he would. I Come thought on, he going to say Sammy. I gave Agar. you an <laughs>
0: opening for an Ed Burns reference and you didn't take it. Oh well, I blew it. Uh I will. I do want to say about Christopher Mintz-Plasse, who we kind of dismissed here. um, You dismissed him. I did. I liked him a lot. And so to go back to my dismissal of him, I do like him. I I still think that most of the parts he does are playing off the idea of McLovin, but sometimes that works really well when he's like the villain in Kick-Ass Two, and you think, oh, it's McLovin, and then he kind of subverts that in order to be this evil guy that was entertaining in a movie that's otherwise. Not good. I didn't see it. Wasn't
1: he like in kick the original kick ass is like a good guy. McLovin type.
0: Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't think, I think he was he in was. the first one, but he's, he he's definitely becomes a villain in the second one. Um, and uh, kind of, and maybe he was in the first one too, but those movies are not very good, but I do like the idea of this, this nerdy guy who is tired of being picked on as the nerd and takes that into super villainy. Kind of like Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, I think it, it's a similar, uh, a similar kind of transition that well, it makes.
1: He's uh, doing great as a voice actor. That's least. true.
0: He's in all those How to Train Your Dragon movies as yeah. well. So yeah, I sorry Christopher Mintsplas, I didn't mean to to be down on you. And your loyal
1: part. listener, Christopher Plas, shout out. I still
0: care about you, <laughs> <Yes>. buddy. <laughs> that is very generous of you. Um, anything else about? Uh, people from this film and what they've gone on to or how it's been influencing other films. Clark Gregg, he's just chilling in the background in one scene, right? Not, yeah. Uh, Clark Clark Duke, Duke, not Clark Clark Gregg. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Clark Clark Gregg is a large black actor that is that actor. is definitely
0: wrong clark greg is the star of marvel's agents of shield a small white i don't know <laughs> who you're trying to get to there with maybe bill duke bill nunn bill bill duke is a large black yeah guy. that's true yeah. so is bill nunn right? okay yeah we're really neither off. of
1: these are clark duke or clark Gregg.
0: right clark duke is the one who's actually in this movie and yeah is yeah, i did notice him as well he doesn't even have any lines. He's just in the background. There's a lot of those guys. He does guys. have
1: a line. He says, McLovin is a badass. Oh,
0: does he? Okay, yeah. I didn't I didn't even notice that. That's how little of an impression that he makes. But there are a lot of background people. I mean, Danny McBride and Jody Hill and Ben Best, who, of course, have their own big comedy brand. They're kind of in the background there in the scene at the weird adult party that the characters go to. So, yeah, see, I didn't even notice that. I didn't notice it either, but I know, I mean, I noticed it in the credits. Yeah. Um, But and then then read that online. And yeah, I mean, Apatow, I think, creates this kind of just orbit of all of these comedy people around him. And so they'll all just like show up for whatever he's doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it looks like it's fun, right? Yeah. You're going to have to be in a movie for a day. Like, hey, can you just give us a day? There will be beer on set and you can party with a bunch of cool people. fun People. Yeah. This looks like fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and what about Apatow himself? Do you think his, how has his career progressed since this? Well, I don't know, man. I mean,
1: I, I was this the
0: last great
1: Apatow production? I li, I mean, no, because I like Sarah Marshall, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. So.
0: I mean, and he's he's put his name as producer on a lot of things where his, uh, his sort of influence isn't that relevant. Yeah. So there may be other movies that I didn't even remember. And he's he doing produced. a lot of
1: HBO documentaries, which are cool, you yeah. know, but... I like this as 40, but there's been really nothing memorable to me for a long time. I
2: know I don't watch a lot of streaming, but the uh, Netflix series Love was fantastic. I, I
1: liked thought. I liked the first season, but I not enough to really push me into the next seasons. And I, I think and he was a producer on Girls, which was, you know, very successful. Right. And that was so up and down there. There would be like one season that's amazing, and the next season would just be a total failure. Sure. And then the next season would be amazing. <laughs> And then so on and so forth. So
0: right, yeah. I never liked girls, uh, and I haven't watched Love, but um, and and as a director, Apatow kind of slowed down a lot. He's been working a lot more as a producer and a stand-up comedian. Um, mm-hmm. but I did like. I know Jason. I know you're really not a fan of Trainwreck, but I thought that was an enjoyable film that was kind of his comeback as a director. And now he's working on a new movie with Pete Davidson that he's directing. So I'm just glad to see him. Doing that, and instead of just just kind of being this executive to actually get back and being a major creative force on a film. Train wreck's a garbage flick, Josh. And, so uh, Jason and hates Booksmart and Trainwreck. What oh, do those two movies gee, have in common? I almost
1: not like women in comedy. Is that is that what you're saying, I,
0: Josh? I'm not saying anything. I'm saying I, that you don't like those movies. I
1: don't like those movies. You should hear him talk about Captain Marvel. <laughs> Captain <laughs> Marvel's not even a comedy, man. So...
0: No, you were just you were just uh saying positive things about uh about girls, about which I don't like at all. So. I thought
1: girls had three great seasons. Yeah. Search Party is a female driven TV show that is again in this orbit that I like. I like you Search know, Party too. There's yeah. plenty of no, women it's, comedic it's... actors that I like. I just don't think these are good ones.
0: Yeah, that's how about fair.
1: that last uh, Melissa McCarthy movie? That was a great movie. Which one? The one where she plays the lady who uh Can you ever forgive me or
0: yeah, oh yeah that, yeah yeah. That's yeah, a great yeah. film. Yeah, that so, is a great film. Yeah. yeah a lot so. of bad Melissa McCarthy comedies.
1: Right? I look, I feel like the uh, like Trainwreck there's just nothing earned in that
0: movie. Yeah. Like- no, that's fair that you. I think Trainwreck is 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 mixed. But my point being just that I'm glad to see Apatow work as a director and a writer and not just as a guy who greenlights stuff. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh we can uh finish uh ruining Jason's reputation here. <laughs> <laughs> And wrap this up just ridiculous you guys ridiculous
2: <laughs> for the record i don't like train wreck either so. i right. like the
1: heat that was a, a very very female driven comedy
0: yeah yeah by paul feig who worked with judd apatow there you go in the freaks and geeks days so. and and probably owes a lot of his career to judd apatow too a lot of these guys probably do. they do indeed um so that is super bad. Thank you to everybody who voted, all, all three of you, you know, one vote apart. It was pretty amazing. We had, we had more than three votes.
1: We did. It was closer to a million than it was three. That is wrong. But, <laughs> but we did it have was good, more than three. We did have good spirited discussions and we appreciate it.
0: Yes, we absolutely did. And I think we would have had a great time talking about either of those other movies. And that's the greatness of Judd Apatow in 2007. Yeah so come back Judd give us some good stuff coming forward yeah exactly that's what I was saying um so that's super bad and that is this episode of awesome movie year and this season uh although we have a little extra thing coming up hey you know Judd Apatow directed funny
1: people right he did yeah, yes. That's all males. And I hate that movie too. And that's I not really I really comedy. feel
0: like you're doing more than is necessary to defend yourself here. <laughs> well, I was I just, didn't appreciate it, Josh. All right. It's just it was just a harmless little jab. Well, I took it too personally. You clearly did. <laughs> do you want to tell us about what's coming up next? We
1: got our epilogue. What what did we do this season? What could we have done this season instead? There's so much uh, to talk about that we haven't talked about, but we'll do it in a tighter time frame.
0: Yes. Yes, we will. So, we'll have some of that coming up, and you can also follow us on social media. Yes, and also we'll announce what's in season three in the epilogue. We so will. Yes. So tune in for great. that. Yeah. All uh, the suspense.
1: Yeah. Uh, social media. Um, still Jason Harris comedy and Jay Harris comedy, and we're still uh, awesome movie. You're an awesome movie pod.
0: I am still at, at Josh everything dot com, at everything on Facebook, and at signal bleed on Twitter. And you can check out our producer, David Rosen's great podcast, Piecing It Together.
2: You can find it anywhere you're listening to this podcast and at PiecingPod on Twitter and all that stuff. And join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces.
0: And that's where you can vote for our Audience Choice Award. Or not award. We keep calling it that.
2: There's an Audience Choice
0: episode, uh, who was the
1: best lead singer of Van Halen? (laughs) Because there's three choices. (laughs) There are three choices.
0: (laughs) Tune in for more of that exciting Van Halen discussion and our epilogue to our 2007 season. Thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you
2: for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points
1: west.